Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by We Believers. Get 20% off your first order by joining the email club at weebelievers.com. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 53. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is the final episode of our series on Humana Vitae. Today's chat is with Anita Morin. Anita shares her experience as a physician assistant at a private practice that will soon be adopting Creighton model fertility care and a NAPRO technology approach with their patients. Anita shares her recent experience training at the Pope Paul VI Institute in Omaha and her own personal experience with Humana Vitae, which has had a major role in guiding her spiritual journey. We also chat about the medical and moral concerns of hormonal birth control for women and some of the more common fertility issues that women are facing. As a reminder, you can support the podcast and get access to bonus episodes at patreon.com slash diapers and disciples. Thanks so much for listening in today. Here's my chat with Anita. Hi, Anita. Thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Um, I thought you could start off by telling us a little bit about you, your work, and your family. Oh, sure. Um, Well, for those who I haven't had the pleasure of speaking with, um, I'm Anita, and I am a wife to a wonderful man named Paul and mother to a little boy named Fulton. And I work as a physician assistant uh, part-time, as well as I own a business called FDS Creatives, where I actually do virtual assisting and social media management. So I kind of do a lot of different things. (laughs) Neat. Oh, that's awesome. So what does your uh, typical day look like for you? Um, well, uh, a couple of days a week, I, I go into the clinic and I see patients. And then um, on days where I'm home, I take my son to daily mass and um, try to soak up as much time with him as I can. Uh, we do a Montessori um, directed education at home. And then um, during nap time and when he goes to bed, I work on my business. Awesome. That's so neat. Um, So as a physician assistant, what kind of uh, patients are you working with? So I work in integrative medicine, um, which is a branch of medicine that really looks to find the root cause of a patient's symptoms and tries to help treat that. Um, So I see adult patients of all different ages with all sorts of different medical problems, um, and I get the opportunity to take care of them. That's really neat. Is that through a hospital or like a private practice? I work in a private practice. Okay, very neat. Great. So Anita, what comes to mind when you think about how you personally live out the Great Commission as a mom? Um, Well, we find the story of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Um, and, And I really think how to live that out comes three chapters before in Matthew 25, um, where we see uh, Jesus talks about what it's going to be like when he comes into his glory. And he says he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he, and he, and he says this, he says, um, that I will say to you, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. A stranger, you welcomed me naked and you clothed me ill and you cared for me in prison and you visited me. And I look at that list often and I think to myself, you know, when I live out the Great Commission, uh, for me, it's doing for the least. 
And because I know, as Jesus said, when, when I do for the least, I do for him. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that answer. Um, so I wanted to ask you about your experience recently, because you recently returned from the Pope Paul the Sixth Institute, like just this past week, correct? Yes, I did. Awesome. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you were doing there and what the experience was like for you? Sure. So I went to Omaha, Nebraska um, for nine days for the uh, first of the education phases to become a Creighton model fertility care practitioner and a NAPRO technology medical consultant. Um, and it was it was a really great time where I got to meet some amazing people who um, love God and they want to work to bring women the best care possible while respecting their bodies and that their bodies create life. And um, it, it was really wonderful. And it was it it was unique to be there when Pope Paul VI was canonized. Um, right. Yeah. Wow. That was that was That's incredible. Neat. That's really neat. Um, so th- you said this was the first of um, several trainings that you'll go through. Is that right? Yes. So um, we completed education phase one in Omaha. And then right now I'm in a supervised practicum or internship. Um, so I will do this part of uh, seeing uh, clients with supervision and caring for people in this uh, way until April. And then in April, I go back to Omaha for about the same amount of time to learn the next part. Um, It's a 13-month program total. So then I'll be certified. (laughs) Wow, that is so neat. I... um we had a past guest on who talked a little bit about the program and, um, just briefly. And, um, it was interesting. It's interesting hearing more about it. And, um, especially for anyone like in the medical field who might be listening, um, what an awesome, an awesome opportunity. Um, do they have scholarships available for people who want to go and do the training or how, how does that work? Um, I believe there are scholarships for people who live in Nebraska, um, but I'm, I'm honestly oh, okay. not fully um, aware of all of the options. What I do know is I actually fundraised to be able to go. So oh, um, different people that I know um, and people that God put into my path to talk to heard about what I was doing and were passionate about it and gave. And so I was able to go and it was such a blessing. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, so when did you first become familiar with Humana Vitae? And is it something that you have always been passionate about? Personally, um, when I was in PA school, I learned uh, through my training about a lot of different medications and treatments. And I actually learned in school that birth control allowed the conception of a child, but it stopped the implantation of a child. And at the Mm. time, I was Southern Baptist, and um, I saw issues with the logic of my pastor telling me that birth control was okay for married Christian couples, but then uh, learning that the church also believed that life began at conception. Um, Mm. But uh, Timothy says that the church is the foundation and pillar of truth. And so I started looking for where is that truth? Um, and I wanted to find it. So I went from being a Southern Baptist and newly married and really uh, hating the Catholic Church to finding the beauty of the truth of the church and and 
changing my life really for that. Um, so it's, it's changed a lot of things. Um, for my family, really, as we have learned to um, honor God in the ways that the church has taught us that marriage and family should be, we've seen a lot of grace and growth in our faith. So um, it's been really great. That's beautiful. I, I love hearing stories of how people um, come to a deeper relationship with Christ and come to the Catholic Church. Um, that's that's amazing. Yeah. It, was your husband uh, Southern Baptist as well? No. Um, my husband grew up Catholic, and at the, through growing up, he didn't fully have an understanding of all that he believed. And so when I met him, he had actually... Um, left the church passively. He, at the time, didn't know that different churches were different. And um, and so when I met him and, and we began to get to know each other and talked about our faith, we had uh, similar beliefs. He had really come to a place where he believed in God and he was passionate about knowing what the Bible had to say. And, um, and when I started to see that there was a disconnect in the Protestant church for the respect for life and the truth of science, um, he quickly got on board with, with searching for what does the, the Catholic church teach and why do they teach it? So what just an amazing journey. Truly. <laughs> I love hearing that. Wow. Wonderful. Um, so Anita, I would love to ask you in your work as a PA, do you, um, often encounter, um, women with fertility issues? Yes. So for many women, infertility is an issue that is really a symptom of another problem. And there are so many women that are aiming to um, perhaps have children um, and are finding difficulty. And then there's another subset of women who are trying not to have children, and they think that their only option is hormonal birth control or an IUD or sterilization. And they don't know the truth that their body was created in this incredible way to um, really be able to know how their body works and then through that knowledge be able to uh, determine if they were trying to avoid or achieve pregnancy, a safe way to do that. Do you work at a Catholic practice? So um, our practice is owned by a Catholic physician. Okay. And we do aim to respect life and respect the dignity of the person that we are treating, whether it be in this realm of fertility or in other um, ways. That's neat. I I wondered... um... If it, you know, wasn't specifically a, a Catholic practice, if um, people came to the practice maybe um, on birth control or, you know, without an understanding of um, of natural family planning and seeing things as restoring a body, to, restoring a woman's body to health, and I wondered if. You ever have cases like that where patients come in and this is really the first time they're hearing about, you know, the dignity of a woman's body and her cycle and, or do you pretty much, is it people that are coming in, um, you know, this is what they're looking for? So we see people from all walks of life. Um, Some of our patients, I'm sure, are Catholic and, and many are not. 
Um, what I would say is that hormonal birth control is medically not best for women um, and then also morally not best for women. And I think that that really um, hits on two different groups of people that I would talk to because medically, um, hormonal birth control does cause an increased risk of breast cancer. It also um, causes hormonal issues. It's used and prescribed to treat cycle irregularities, but it really doesn't treat them. It simply covers them up. And we see that because if you take a woman who has an abnormal cycle, you put her on birth control and you take her off birth control, um, her cycles usually go back to that irregular phase. So it does not treat. um, And it's the only medication we have really that takes a working system and breaks it with no true good reason to do so. Uh, there's some medications like chemotherapy when we're trying to treat a patient's cancer. Um, and that's, that's a, a life-restorative use of that. But, but birth control is not life-restorative. Um, it, it's abortifacient. Hmm. So for women that come in um, to your practice that have abnormal cycles, are there certain steps that you take to restoring their cycles? I think for most women, they have a false understanding of what a normal cycle would be. So the majority of women think that a normal cycle is 28 days long, and as long as she has a 28-day cycle, that she's normal. But only 5 to 12% of women actually have a 28-day cycle. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, so health is not – a healthy understanding of your cycle isn't just knowing how many days is it between periods. But the beginning of your period is actually the first day of the cycle. And and the last day of your cycle is the last day before you get your next period. And I always share that with um, patients because as women, we're always in some part of our cycle. And there's different things that you can know about your body based on how you feel or symptoms that you have during that time. So for us, we aim to see is there any sort of issues in your cycle related to um, how we can care for you in a a different way? So for instance, if you're somebody who um, has abnormal bleeding in your cycle, you could potentially have low progesterone for one example. There's many things that could be. And, And in treating progesterone, we can actually improve a lot of women and their quality of life. Um, because without a good progesterone level, you can have other issues such as anxiety and, um, and things that are, have a medical basis that we can help you with. Um, that's neat. I, I appreciate hearing that. And I think, um, you know, a lot of times I've mentioned in a previous episode, um, I had, I have a polycystic ovarian syndrome and it took me several doctors before I was able to even find a doctor who, really had an understanding of my cycle <laughs> and uh, was yeah. wanted to do something besides just prescribing the birth control pill. So um, it's just encouraging to hear of practices where it's, where, you know, the physician understands 
what's going actually going on with the different the different phases in a woman's cycle and is encouraging women to figure out okay if there is something off where is where is it off or what's the problem and how can we address that instead of just you know the idea of the band-aid <laughs> putting sure. something just putting a band-aid over the problem so um, yeah, and with PCOS, we see um, that largely there has been a, a lot of women that have been told that they have to be on birth control to treat their PCOS, and that's mm-hmm. simply not the case. There is a lot of evidence to show that diet has a huge impact on PCOS, um, as well as many other factors. Each woman will have her her own needs of how we can treat um, but in our office, we really try to treat the whole person um, mm. and see them as as not just a cycle or not just a medical problem, but but who are you completely and how can I help you? Mm. Interesting. Um, what other kinds of issues do you see um, coming up for women in terms of their fertility? I think in part it is a loss of of really respect for the incredible nature that it is that our bodies even have a cycle and that we even could create life. Um, and so because of that, we have seen in recent years that, that women have opted to um, look for medications to cover up the functions of their fertility or to simply do away with them completely. Um, And in doing so, that's caused other issues. Um, But um, related to fertility, we are seeing a a lot of women who are waiting to have children until much later and then struggling to get pregnant as um, we have the most number of eggs as women actually uh, before we're born. So, so as, as time passes and we, we give up those years of, um, the ability to conceive, it does get harder for a lot of women. Hi friends. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor. We believers with Advent quickly approaching, you're going to want to check out all the items we believers has available to help your family prepare for the coming of Christ this Christmas, including a pop-out nativity an advent calendar wall or window clings. This reusable nativity scene comes to life on your walls or windows through the holiday season with 24 numbered pieces and 20 additional accent clings. An educational insert coordinates with each piece, adding spiritual insight to the story of the first Christmas. You can create a beloved Christmas tradition by reading each day's short meditation as your child places the corresponding cling. And if you're starting your Christmas shopping, be sure to check out We Believers plush prayer buddies that help your little ones learn to pray. Magnetic church play sets that help your kiddos learn what goes where at church. Puzzles, journals, vocation dolls, pop-out mask kits, and more. Finally, We Believers offers free printables, coloring sheets, and activity pages that are perfect for Sunday school or homeschool with little ones. Check out these and more at webelievers.com. That's W-E-E as in tiny. And get 20% off your first order by joining the We Believers email club. So if I could switch gears a little bit and go back to your experience at the Pope Paul VI Institute, um, I would love to hear a little bit about maybe like what, what your favorite part was and maybe even a little bit about the experience of being there for the canonization of Pope Paul VI. 
there were so many things that were great about my time in Omaha. Um, I met some incredible doctors and medical providers, as well as um, people that were pursuing programs to be fertility care practitioners or medical consultants, respectively, and seeing, um, I think, really that that God called each of us there with a different uh, batch of experiences and and a different call to help women in different ways. But yet there we were. Uh, There's, I believe, seventy seven of us that were there to um to learn how to really care for people both physically um and share with them really an understanding of how their body works and and how it could work um so i that by far was my favorite part um it was also really great to get to be taught by Dr. Hilders who is the founder of the Creighton model along with his collaborators, some of which we got to meet. Um, But hearing um, a physician stand up and and speak for life was um, a great experience. And um, I really enjoyed that. And the canonization of the Pope Paul VI, it was really great because we got to hear Dr. Hilders talk about the impact that Pope Paul VI made on him and his letter of Humana Vitae um, and how that impacted the work that he's doing. Hmm. So um, that was really beautiful. That's really neat. Very cool. Um, So Anita, I'd love to ask you about just kind of your um, personal experience, you and your husband with natural family planning. Have you guys always used the Creighton model? No, we haven't. Um, so when I learned what um, was the truth of what birth control did, um, my husband and I had been married for a month. And, oh, I, and I came home from PA school and I, I'd spent hours, you know, scouring the internet that possibly this could not be true, you know. Um, but in fact, I was finding that it was. And so um, he came home and I said, well, um, I know we said we wanted to wait to have kids, and in my mind at the time, if you weren't on birth control, you must be trying to get pregnant. Um, mm. And I just looked at him and I said, but we can't, we can't take this anymore. And, and thankfully, by the grace of God, my husband was like, you're right, we can't. Um, <laughs> so we ended, up, we ended up finding um, what I like to call like quasi-internet natural family planning. So the results of what you find when you Google natural family planning and, and, okay. and, <laughs> and, and you know, take find a little bit here about temperature, which scientifically has been shown to be not as effective or um, monitoring cervical mucus or, or various things. And, and we found a lot of it to be cumbersome. Um, for instance, if you're monitoring temperature to take your temperature at the same time every day can be difficult, uh, especially as I was in, um, the clinical side of my physician assistant training. So every, you know, six to nine weeks, what job I was going to was changing and the hours were changing. Um, so not long after that, we did find the Creighton model and that's when we started, that was the first certified version of of fertility awareness um, that we used. Um, And we've been using that since, I believe, 2013. 
Okay. Yeah. And have you have you found any challenges with um with natural family planning in general? Just um with you know figuring out when you and your husband are ready to you know have a new member of your family and um yeah timing wise and just using natural family planning in general? Sure. So actually using natural family planning, uh, at least the method that we use is not difficult. It it simply requires you to make observations of cervical mucus throughout the day. Um, And so that part hasn't been difficult. And the, what you hear people um, maybe comment on that could be difficult would be the amount of time that you would potentially have to abstain um, if you were not trying to conceive a child, but, but we found if done correctly, um, the amount of time really is, is small. Um, what I would say as far as what we have found, um, for us, I don't think had we not done uh, the Creighton model that we would have uh, quickly found that I was a person that was going to be at risk for miscarriage. Um, due to personally having low progesterone issues and, and never knowing it. And so as we saw a change in my chart, um, we had started meeting with a medical consultant um, initially proactively because we were so passionate about life and we just wanted them to look at our chart and tell us that there was no reason we should be concerned um, you know, for miscarriage. And at the time they told us no, but... Um, but then as we saw, um, the, the different stamps on my chart changed. And when we met with them again, um, they did blood work and they found out that, that really, I, we needed progesterone support. So, um, so because of that, um, my son, um, was able to, to have a healthy pregnancy, um, I was on progesterone support, uh, through my pregnancy and then postpartum, um, have been, have been able to, to use the method, um, even before cycles returned. Um, I haven't found it to be difficult to use. It's simply, um, the will to be consistent with observations. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. The progesterone thing is interesting. I, um, also have had a history of low progesterone. So with, um, with pretty much all my pregnancies, I have been on progesterone, you know, for mm-hmm. the first uh, trimester at least. Um, but what was interesting this time around, I'm pregnant now, and I was on um, oral progesterone, whereas the past pregnancies I had been on um, injections for my progesterone. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the side effects of, I don't know if it's specifically oral progesterone or maybe I just had a different reaction this time is, um, symptoms of depression. And Mm. so, uh, what was so interesting this time was, um, I was noticing that I wasn't feeling quite like myself and, um, I was hesitant to say depression because I know that, um, you know, that's a clinical term and I didn't want to just toss it around, but, um, Mm -hmm. some, some friends from my women's group had said, you know, if you're not feeling like yourself, you should really check with your doctor because, uh, depression can be a symptom of, um, of the oral progesterone. And then, um, my husband was on a business trip and later he, um, he came back and I was just explaining to him like this, 
like lack of empathy that <laughs> that I was having like towards him and towards the kids. And so um, I was glad I was able to bring that up with with my doctor and um, get that figured out. But um, I I just imagine that people who maybe don't have that support system or who aren't kind of aware of what's going on with their cycle or or their pregnancy, that that could be something that could be, you know, overlooked. Absolutely. Um, we find that there are women who are put on um, medications for depression um, without ever a look at is there an imbalance hormonally or is there another cause um, and I'm not saying that that every single person who has depression definitely has a hormone issue. There are, there are several different causes, but I sure. think it should be in what we look at when someone comes in, um, making sure you know is there an organic cause or is there another issue? Or... Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, do patients that come in like automatically get um, like a hormonal panel done? Um, new patients coming in, or is it only if you're seeing like issues in their charts? So for our patients, because I'm new to being trained as a fertility care practitioner and medical consultant, and I'm in that process, um, none of our patients actually have charts um, at oh, this time. So, wow. Okay. So yeah. this is something we're putting into our practice. Previously, um, however, I've, there's no screening lab work anymore that we can order as providers. So everything that your your doctor or your physician assistant orders um, is based on the symptoms that you have and, and what we can um, justify ordering in our chart. And so um, nobody gets, <laughs> gets screening hormone um, blood work, but it, we do have different screening tools that we use that are similar to, to surveys that ask about specific um, symptoms that a patient might have. And if we start to see in those screenings and in talking to them that they have symptoms consistent with uh, a particular um, possible disease process or condition, then we screen for things that are related to that. Um, and we do this in all, all things, not just hormones and fertility. Neat. That's really cool. I, I just think that's so cool that your practice is now implementing that. Um, were you, was this something that kind of you initiated where you wanted to go to the Pope Paul VI Institute or is it something that the practice wanted or kind of a combination of both? A, a combination of both. Um, this is something that, that I've been really passionate about and then um, concurrently, um, the, the doctor that I work with also has been passionate about it. And so, um, we prayed and, and God opened a door and provided. And so we are, are going for it. Um, the hope would be that we would be able to start sharing with our patients, um, what this is and, and that's, um, what we're working towards. That's so neat. I hope um, more practices begin to implement that in the future. That's really, really cool. So Anita, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? There's so many ways that I see that God is consistently working in my life, just growing me as a mother and as a physician assistant and as a wife. Um, but I would say in the last year, he's really put in my heart 
Um, just the need to um, write and speak more to share with uh, people, particularly women, just um, the beautifulness um, of who they are and who God created them to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've been working on that. Beautiful. I love that. And what is your favorite part of your home and why? I think it would be my son's room because um, for for us, there was a time where we were struggling with infertility. And there, there was a time where I thought um, that there might not ever be a baby room in my home. Mm. Um, oh, so my favorite room um, is my son's room. I just love to um, rock him and um, read to him and pray with him. Mm, beautiful. So. I love that. And what have you been loving recently? I think this is a difficult question. I really, I really <laughs> been, I've really been thinking about it. Um, but I've been learning a lot more about um, just uh, business and um, particularly the business that I have of uh, virtual assisting and social media managing. Um, I've, I've really been loving, there's a program called Trello. Okay. T-R-E-L-L-O. Um, and it's a free program. Um, and you can really just organize a lot of things on there and it's completely free. I really love it. (laughs) That's neat. So do you do most of your work, uh, for that while, um, your son is napping or in the evenings? How do you balance that? Yes, um, I really take advantage of nap time and after he goes to sleep and um, and depending on how much work I have, there's times where in the afternoon when my husband gets home from work that he will um, take the child so I can get some work done. Um, it's really a week-by-week balance depending on uh, what sort of things that my clients need um, because I do a lot of, of different things for them, but from helping them manage social media to editing podcasts and um, writing blog posts and um, helping build websites. I do a lot of different things. So That's so neat. How did you get into that? Um, I really, I had developed a lot of skills uh, throughout different experiences that I had had. And it started with me um, finding a, a couple of different people who I saw posting that they they needed help with a particular thing and I commented and said well I know how to do that um you know not cool you know um and then slowly that evolved into the business that I now now have and um it's been really great to I so far everyone that I've worked with has been a woman um and it's just been incredible to walk with these women and help them accomplish what it is their dreams are and help them work on projects and, and assist them. So I'm really just so excited to see them succeed because um, it's really been great. Very neat. That's really cool. And my last question for you is, do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier? Um, yes. So baby wearing is my number one mom hack um, that is that I have. Um, my son, um, likes to be worn in a carrier, but only if I wear him on my back. And so the way that I get grocery shopping done or, you know, running errands is I put him in a carrier on my back, but, um, being a toddler, their attention span is not always so long. So when he tries to get, um, 
fussy, I actually keep snacks in my bag and I start handing them to him still in the carrier. And that gets me through whatever it is I need to do, whether it's, you know, grocery shopping or going to the bank or whatever it is. <laughs> Love it. That's neat. Do you have a particular a particular carrier that you like to use? Yes. Um, I know that um, a, a lot of people like Tula and I do like Tula, but as he got a lot bigger, I found it wasn't as supportive to my back. So had you asked me before he was 25 pounds, I would have said Tula. But now, <laughs> okay. that, now that he's past 25 pounds, um, I'm really enjoying a Lola baby carrier. Nice. Very good. Um, and if people who are listening want to connect with you or um, maybe have questions, um, is there a way they can do that? Sure. Um, so I have a, a website um, that is anitamorin.com. Um, and then I also am on Instagram at Anita Morin PA, and I actually have a Facebook group called Beautiful Good True by Anita Morin. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, Anita, thank you so much for coming on. This was really interesting. And I, I loved hearing about your, um, your own personal experience and walk with the Lord. And thank you so much for all the info you shared with us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And I'm so excited for what it is that you're doing with your podcast, encouraging women and helping them have a closer walk with the Lord. But then also um, this particular series of helping people realize the respect for human life that humanity encourages. It's just really beautiful. Mm. Oh, thanks for saying that. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Okay. Lord Jesus, thank you for your constant and unchanging love. We pray, God, that you would continue to bless our marriages and families. We pray today, especially for those who might be struggling in their families or in their marriages um, with fertility or natural family planning, that you would give them the grace they need today. Jesus, we, we love you, and we pray all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we pray for the sweet little baby that you're expecting, that you have a healthy pregnancy. Oh, thank you so much. Amen. <laughs> Hi friends, I hope you enjoyed this chat with Anita. I really appreciated her insights into hormonal birth control and some fertility issues that women face. I also loved hearing how her training as a PA guided her spiritual journey. I'm always amazed how the Lord speaks to us in our everyday experiences and encounters. How have you seen the Lord present in your life this week? For me lately, it's been in the small ways my husband shows his love for me. Friends, next week we are starting a series on friendship and building community, so I'm looking forward to sharing those episodes with you. Until then, you all are in my prayers. God bless.